All right, news roundup information overload hour. Day 45, Americans abandoned by Joe Biden behind enemy lines. What an interview we just had with the uh, Shellers, Stu and Kathy, and their son, Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, who said this is a disgrace, what we've done in Afghanistan. Now he's in the brig, and they can't even contact their own son. We'll continue to follow that story. Um, I, I, You know, one of the dumbest people involved in this disaster, and it is an unmitigated disaster, has been Secretary of State Tony Blinken. I mean, you, you think back, you know, we, we've got this artificial deadline they're, they're adhering to. Now, the Trump plan included never giving up Bagram Air Base. It included that they would, again, obliterate the Taliban if they didn't follow every dotted I, cross T, comma, and period. They were told over and over again directly by Donald Trump, I will obliterate you like I did the caliphate, like I did Soleimani, like I did Baghdadi and Associates and the Al-Qaeda leader in Yemen. Do you understand me? So before they even did a deal, he made it very clear that there would be consequences if they didn't abide by any agreement. Also, the conditions on the ground would dictate the time and place of withdrawal under President Trump. And he since told me that he probably was going to keep troops on the ground anyway. On top of all of that, the last people that should be leaving are the troops. So Joe Biden, 13 days, you know, speaks before he abandons everybody, tells George Stephanopoulos, we played it earlier in the show, that he wouldn't abandon people. And so we leave hundreds of Americans behind and their families and thousands of green card holders, people eligible to live in the United States now, and then tens of thousands of Afghan allies, and we now see, you know, the result of that, and that is that they're being killed. And then, of course, you get the geniuses over at the State Department. You know, we have, you know, we have retired peop- uh, Navy SEALs. We have retired special ops people that have been willing to go on their own and risk their lives to save Americans once Joe abandoned them. Then you have generous Americans that have, provided chartered aircraft, for example, at Mazari Sharif Airport. And the State Department says, well, if you don't have the proper paperwork, you'll have to get it from um, another country because the State Department office in Kabul has been closed. Well, that's the whole point, you jackass, is that if it's closed, they can't leave Afghanistan uh, to get the paperwork that's necessary for them to even have a shot of getting out of Afghanistan. And then they're telling the chartered planes, well, you know, you can leave if you get a third party country to accept your chartered flight, but you can't land in America. I'm like, what? If it has American citizens on board, they can't land in America. The same people that, you know, just let in a million and a half plus people in the, in the course of the last year and, and literally processed them and aided and embedded in their law breaking at our southern border. You just can't make this up. And then they even went as far as to say, and if you do get a third party country to accept the charter flight out of Afghanistan and you're able to take off safely and and land um, and they, you know, that's fine. But if they need our permission, it will not be forthcoming. That is full and complete abandonment. Now, we have a Republican congressman. His name is Ralph Norman. Is from South Carolina, their fifth district. He introduced articles of impeachment for Secretary Blinken over his handling of the Afghanistan withdrawal. Congressman, welcome to the program. Uh, 
I don't think I've ever heard such ignorance and stupidity in my life coming from our own State Department. And to this day, we still don't have an accurate number of Americans trapped behind enemy lines that are hostage to the Taliban. No, you're exactly right, Sean. And, uh, you know, Blinken is just uh, one of a lineup of uh, this administration's choice. It should be impeached or should have the dignity and the decency to resign. I wish your listeners could have been in an intel meeting when Blinken was was part of a group, Millie, um, Alston, and others, who you would ask them questions. And, you know, how many Americans are left over there? We don't know. How many... Uh, what, what type, what's the dollar amount on the arms left over there? We don't know. And, you know, it's, it's an embarrassment. And you've got to say that it's intentional. There's no way you can be this ignorant uh, and this uh, uh, callous to do what they're doing. And Blinken is just one of them uh, who, and I'm sure, you know, they, they're not going to listen to uh, us on resigning and then they'll bottleneck the process. Um, Jerry Nadler is not going to get anything through judiciary that has to do with holding any of these people accountable by, you know, taking them out. But, you know, it's a uh, tragedy and it's um, something that shouldn't happen. So tell me how you go about the impeachment of Tony Blinken and have you gotten any support with your colleagues? We've got 22 that have signed on. We've drafted the impeachment. Dr. Harris and I were the ones that first started this off. We kind of picked. I mean, it's kind of a pick your you know favorite person of the day that's incompetent. And, uh, you know, it goes through the process, should go through judiciary. It won't. It'll be sidetracked like everything else is in this administration. So, um, yeah. but we've, we've got it filed, and we'll wait until something develops on it. But um, it's, it's a... This administration is, uh, in eight months, has done more to damage this country than any administration in my lifetime. Not even close. Well, what part of South Carolina do you represent? I took Mick Mulvaney's place when he went to OMB under President Trump. It's the fifth district adjacent to Charlotte. Um, great district, and it's a uh, conservative district. And getting conservative after, more conservative after what we're facing now. Did you watch any of the hearings today with Millie and company, and, and what were your thoughts, if you did? You know, Sean, I did, and I, I can't listen to words anymore. It's the actions that speak so loud. I mean, you know, think about it. And I heard your previous guess. I mean, the, the, the minute they withdrew, they blamed Trump's agreement. Then they blamed the Afghans quitting. Then they blamed, um, you know, who knows what. And I just can't listen to them anymore. That's why our group walked out of the last intel meeting that I could go to. They just said, we had it. And so their words have no meaning. And it's just, uh, you know, when they asked that, the part I turned on is when I think Millie was asked, was the book that Woodward wrote true? He said, I hadn't read it. Well, I mean, the song and dance we've heard, and um, but I watched bits and pieces. But it's, it's hard with the when we see the effects on the American people that are now taking place, particularly the Marine that they you know, put in jail, the 57 that with the, with the riots that are held in jail without a trial, that we don't know where they are. I mean, it just goes on and on. You can't think this stuff up. You really can't. Well, we support your efforts, Congressman. Keep us in the loop of uh, how far you get with this, okay? We sure will. Thank you so much, Sean. I appreciate it. Congressman Ralph Norman, South Carolina, uh, the 5th District, 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to be a part of the program.
Uh, let's say hi to Ronald is in Kentucky. Ronald, how are you? Glad you called. I'm fine, John. Great to speak with you. Um, I was just curious. I know the Soviets were in Afghanistan, and they also withdrew. And I was wondering if they had anywhere near the debacle that we did. And if they didn't, uh, and it went smooth, why we didn't learn from that? You know, you're asking a smart, intelligent question. You would think that, you know, people might have learned something from that. One of the reasons that they they withdrew and they lost that battle and conflict in the 80s is because we supplied the opposition forces, then known as the Mujahideen, with Stinger missiles, and, and they were taking Soviet planes out of the sky left and right. I mean, that is one of the most effective pieces of equipment that you'd ever want for any military. Um, you know, one of, the, one of my biggest fears as the deadline was approaching was as these planes were taken off that these Stinger missiles still exist there. And I was scared to death. And, and some planes took off and were shooting flares as, you know, in case a surface to air missile was shot at it. Um, one of my biggest fears was that was going to happen. One of my biggest fears in America, if these terrorists, you know, ever get to this country, it's not the most complicated piece of military equipment to get your hands on and or to develop even on your own and you know terrorists by their very nature are defined as evil and they want to kill innocents and it's a convert or die mentality and and you know i fear waking up one day and hearing that you know planes are being shot out of the sky left and right all over the country and i think we're going to have to deal with the reality that terrorism we now have created joe biden created a safe haven for al-qaeda isis um and ISIS-K and all these other terrorist groups to now have a safe haven to plot, plan, and scheme the next attack against us. I wouldn't even say it's a matter of if, it's when they do it. It's not if they do it. You know, we just had the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Uh, it, it, there's going to be more incidents. And, you know, I wish I was wrong. I, I, I pray to God that I am wrong. But I don't think I am, Ronald. I don't think I'm wrong. Unfortunately, no, no. You know, I wish I was. Speaking, I heard Biden say he was touting the Afghan army, and he said they even had an air force. Does the Taliban even have control of that uh, air force now? The Taliban has control of all of it. They have oh control of every bit of equipment. They have more Black Hawk helicopters than 85% of countries in the world, thanks to Joe Biden, as a gift. I mean, the, the, you cannot have a bigger foreign policy disaster than what Joe Biden orchestrated here. All of these guys testifying today, they all need to be fired. And frankly, Joe needs to be fired over this. And, and the, you know, we, we now have to, at some point as a country, face a reality that this guy is not awake enough to do this job. He's not capable. And I don't know who the puppeteers are, who's pulling the strings here, but it's certainly not him. He's not up to the job. You know, you see him, you know, strut to the to the podium. He reads his few lines. They rush him away as quickly as possible. He's not allowed to take questions or he gets yelled at and he's not going to get his ice cream that night. I mean, it's embarrassing. And the worst part is, is that our enemy hostile regime nations in the world, they see it and they want to take advantage of it. And our allies are aghast because they depend on the United States to keep the world safe and free and stable. And, and the reality is we don't have a strong commander in chief. And that's being charitable, me saying it that way. You have somebody that is a cognitive mess and everybody knows it. 
you know, they just I'm one of the just the dumb people that are just willing to say it out loud. Anyway, I'm not going to be compromised. Uh, Ronald, thank you. All right, let's go to our busy telephones here. Jamie is in Texas. Jamie, how are you? Hi, thanks for taking my call. I wanted to share something with you that I thought you could appreciate. Um, uh, I would I would call him a hometown hero, a young man, 37, went to Afghanistan, survived Afghanistan, joined the Texas Highway Patrol. When he got back, he was sent to Del Rio because Governor Abbott, you know, oh, needed help there. You know, our federal government is not helping. So he was sent to Del Rio to help out there, which they're rotating our troopers through. Um, so he contracts the COVID there. They you know if it was a breakthrough home. case or had he been vaccinated? No, he was not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Okay, continue. He had chose, at that point, he had chosen not to, not to be vaccinated. So he, he contracts it. He comes back home here. And um, he gets pretty sick, so he's sent off to San Antonio for more acute care. Um, How old he is passed he? Away about thirty-seven. Oh my he passed gosh. away about two weeks ago. Very I'm so sorry. Very sad. Very sad. And you know, you know, by keeping up with things that in Del Rio it's a mess. They're yep. not testing. They're not. They're letting everyone. I guess they're letting all these people through. So that they have COVID, they give it to other people who are innocent. So before he passed, he convinced his family. Well, I'll tell you, really we can thank for this in large part. My Mayorkas actually said, "Well, I didn't, I didn't expect the tragic rise of the Delta variant," and he even admitted yesterday that roughly one in five illegal immigrants are that are that they're encountering are experiencing an illness an apparent reference to COVID. So he's basically saying 20% of these illegal immigrants, he doesn't call them that anymore, um, are testing positive. And then Jen Psaki's out there lying and saying, well, no, they're only going to be here a short time, and that's a lie, too. I mean, we're getting lied to left, right, sideways, you name it, we're getting lied to. I'm sick of being lied to. And I'm sorry about your friend. Um, I wish, you know, the reason I keep telling people I believe in proactive medicine. I'm not your doctor, but I want an informed audience. Why do I tell people to research and be informed? Because if you get a co- positive COVID test, breakthrough or unvaccinated, it doesn't matter. The first question you need to ask your doctor is about, you know, therapeutics like monoclonal antibodies that have shown tremendous success rates when used. I'm not a doctor. Talk to your doctor. But you need to know it exists. You know, the level of ignorance about that one issue alone is unreal. Biden only mentioned it once, and then he found out it was working in Florida. So then he starts rationing it, even though we we have enough for everybody. I'm sorry about your friend. I mean it with all my heart. 37, too young. All of this preventable, just like all of Afghanistan, preventable. 800 941 Sean is on number. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Before we get to your phone calls, I want to play some of uh, the hearing today with these generals and and General Milley in particular. And, you know, Tom Tom Cotton had a fascinating exchange asking if the recommendations of the generals, did they never reach Biden? In other words, that we need to keep a military presence in Afghanistan. 
And then uh, Tom Cotton criticizing why Biden was recommended the August 31st deadline to remove troops on August 25th, 10 days after Kabul fell, which, by the way, at that point, they already knew where the Taliban was. Nobody's ever answered the question. Well, were you offered by the Taliban that they promised you they'd stay out of Kabul and give you time to get out and you turn that down? Because that was a report that was out there, too. And then we'll play for you one other exchange with Josh Hawley ripping these generals for telling people they didn't leave Americans behind. Yes, they did. And even Joe Manchin expressed expressed disgust to General Austin about the Taliban using equipment that we gave them. And the media, by the way, asking Jen Psaki on why Biden keeps insulting them. Anyway, if you missed it, let me just play the, the senators here from the hearings so you get a flavor, if you've been working all day, of, of what went on. We'll have a lot of this on Hannity tonight. Joe Biden has said that it was the unanimous, the unanimous recommendation of the Joint Chiefs that we not maintain a military presence beyond August 31st. We've heard testimony of that effect today as well. When was that unanimous recommendation sought and presented to the president? You're talking about the 31 August? Yes, the 31 August deadline so, for getting so out So on here. 25 August, I was asked to make an assessment, provide best military advice on... I'm sorry, my time is limited here. Okay. You just you gave me the answer that I needed here. August 25th? That's correct. Kabul fell on August 15th. That's correct. You were not asked before right. August 25th? 16th. On August 25th, I was asked to provide best military assessment as whether we should keep military forces past the 31st. Secretary Austin... Was anybody asked before August 25th if we should keep troops at the Kabul airport? This is uh, the president tasked us to to make to provide an assessment on whether or not uh, we should extend our our presence uh, beyond August 31st. And as General Milley just said, that assessment was uh, was made. We tasked him to make that assessment on the 25th, and uh, he came back and provided his best military advice. Secretary, Kabul fell on August 15th. It was clear that we had thousands of Americans. It was clear to members of this committee who were getting phone calls that we had thousands of Americans in Afghanistan behind Taliban lines on August 15th. And it took 10 days to ask these general officers if we should extend our president. I suspect the answer might be a little different if you were asking them 16 days out, not five days out. Let me just sum up where I understand that, that we are based on what's been a fairly extraordinary hearing. Here, here's what I've learned so far. Number one, the President of the United States lied to the American people about the advice that you gave to him about the military judgment that you provided for him. I think you've all testified to that effect now repeatedly. Secondly, the State Department and maybe the White House appeared to have pushed back the evacuation to such a time that it became a catastrophe, apparently against your advice, although I'd like to learn more about that. And third, for some reason that we still don't quite understand, the Pentagon failed to plan for the potential collapse of the security forces or the collapse of the Afghan government, despite there being quite a lot of warning, Senator Kane referred to this earlier, quite a lot of warning for really, frankly, years that the Afghan security forces were ill-equipped, ill-trained, and frankly not up to the job. I don't understand any of that. I'd like to explore those things with you in this round of the next. But first, before I do, Secretary Austin, I have to take issue with something you just said. I know this is an administration talking point. I've heard it out of the mouth of the press secretary and others. We are not leaving Americans behind. That was your quote of just a minute ago. With all due respect, sir, you have left past tense Americans behind. We have no presence any longer in Afghanistan. There are hundreds of Americans, and not just Americans generally, civilians you left behind against the president's explicit commitment not to leave until all American citizens were out and to safety. That is not what happened. 
And now we have people who are desperately, frantically trying to get out of this country, coming to me, coming to members of this committee, asking for help. They can't get that help. They're stuck behind enemy lines. So please don't tell me that we're not leaving Americans behind. You left them behind. Joe Biden left them behind. And frankly, it was a disgrace. It drives me absolutely insane to see the television at night and see the Taliban and all of them wearing our uniforms, wearing our night vision, doing everything, using everything we have, our MRAPs and everything else that we left there. I just can't believe it. I can't even get an accounting of how much equipment we really did leave. I know how many aircraft we left and I know how many, uh, basically, uh, MRAPs and, and all the different things. But not to plan better to take that equipment out it was unbelievable. All right, let's get to our phones here on this uh, Tuesday, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Shannon is in Missouri. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Glad you called. Thanks for being with us. Hey, Sean. I'm doing well. Thank you for taking my call. Listen, I, I went to the doctor last week, and um, I've seen this, been to this clinic for years and seen this nurse forever. And as she's finishing me up, she says, hey, Shannon, I... I just want to tell you, um, thank you for being my patient, and I probably won't be seeing you anymore. And I just looked at her, and I said, oh, are you moving? She said, no, um, I've got to be vaccinated by the 1st of October. Um, I'm losing my job. And I just looked at her. I like, you see it on the news, and you hear about it, but I hadn't experienced it. Um, and I just looked at her, and she said, just so you know, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. She said, I, I'm not against the vaccine. I just don't want to be forced to take it. She said, I know you can't. She said, so I want you to know. And I said, no, ma'am, I can't. And I said, I'm so sorry. I've trusted this woman with my, my life, my health care, and her judgment has proven well for me, and she's taken great care of me. And it just broke my heart. I just, you could see it, the By the way, it breaks eyes. my heart, too. Yeah, you do, know, do you realize in New York now, the governor, the new governor, what's her name? Hochul something? I don't even know the woman's name. She She's literally got a plan in place. They're going to fire all of these first responder, you know, hospital workers, the people that dove on COVID grenades uh, and and coronavirus grenades in the middle of the worst of this, many of whom got COVID themselves. And the people that were on the front lines fighting when we knew next to nothing about this virus to save lives. And now, for whatever reason, maybe it's a unique medical condition. There are no exemptions whatsoever, right? It's one size fits all medicine. Or maybe it's they believe in natural immunity. They're, they're following the science on it, um, which is not complete. But science is pretty indicative that T-cell antibodies are real, according to the doctors we've interviewed. But I recommend you talk to your doctor. And now we're going to take people that were willing to risk their lives in the worst moment of this pandemic, and we're going to fire them. Uh, it is said. unconscionable to me. And they've got plans in place to replace them with the National Guard and people from other countries even. And I'm sitting here thinking, it was sort of like, you know, when Governor Cuomo was governor and these these nurses and doctors and hospital workers came from all over the country to help New York out, New York City and New York out during the worst moments of this pandemic. And then he sends them a bill for the to pay their state income tax. I'm like, gee, yeah. can you give them a break for once? I mean, you, you want your 10 percent? These people didn't have to dive on a COVID, you know, grenade every day because that's what they were doing. They were, they were walking into petri, COVID Petri dishes every day and they did it anyway. 
And I got to be honest, I don't think I'd want that job. You know, I'd do it if it was my job and I had a passion for medicine. I do have a passion for medicine, but I don't have a passion to perform it myself. Like, I'm fascinated with airplanes, but I have no desire to be a, a pilot. I've, I've sat through surgeries, but I don't want any part of, you know, holding somebody's brain in my hand or heart in my hand either. But, you know, think about, you know, it's just sad to me. There's a service I've been using where they actually come to your house and, and you know, they do these tests. And, and one of the nurses that works there, um, you know, literally said, I, I probably won't see Mr. Hannity again. And I'm like, why not? And he goes, well, I, you know, for personal reasons, I just decided I'm, I, if I don't get the vaccine, I can't work here anymore. And the hospital system's firing her. I said, well, what are you going to do? And she doesn't know yet. And I'm thinking, this is somebody that literally has been in front of COVID patients every day since this this shift show started. And I'm like, there's something so wrong about it. And you say, well, they just need to get the vaccine. They need to just do it. They need to do what we say. You know, I I, I don't understand where where everybody feels so compelled to abandon all sense of medical privacy, doctor-patient confidentiality, and everybody feels a need to play doctor. You know, I'll be honest with you. I never went to medical school. I'm not qualified to tell you. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, all right, let's say hello to Jason is in California, the United Socialist Utopia out there. What's up, Jason? How are you? <laughs> I know. I'm in, I'm in the epicenter of Liberalville, freaking taking grenades in here, Sean. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you do it. You may want to get the hell out of there with everybody else. I'm a young business owner. I'm, I'm married to it, but I've been thinking about it. No, but, uh, hey, I wanted to talk to you about that infrastructure bill. You know, we see another 2,600-page document coming across the, the desk to get voted on. You know, our government puts every law in, imaginable in the name of protecting us, right, the protecting consumer. For example, when you purchase a home, you're going to sign and see every disclosure on every closing document. You're going to know where every penny of commission went. You're going to know if there's kickbacks, which is great, right? You don't want, you know, you want to prepare for payment shock. Well, nothing's going to prepare me more for payment shock than my representatives when they get presented a bill with 2,600 pages three days before they have to vote on it. Like, where are the disclosures? Who's, where's the accountability coming from our representatives? You know uh, but don't saying? you understand you need to pass the bill to learn what's in the bill? You ought to know that by now. That's how it works in that. the swamp. But but imagine if like somebody like Marjorie Green took one from from the woke book and said you know hey I, I am just a, a lady from Georgia you know I'm not a sophisticated academia liberal here um, I am getting overwhelmed so we need to see you know there has to be some kind of you know you hear people talking about holding each other accountable you know just go and vote but I want to see these representatives come up and say let's hold ourselves accountable you know there's more accountability in a, in a high school yearbook class than there is in the House of Representatives. My only answer to you is, and you know, I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking it is it is the most disastrous administration. Uh, there's not a single thing I can point to to say, you know what, that's a good thing they did. That, they're successful there. I can't see it. I never imagined a country could disintegrate and deteriorate on such a level as this in such a short period of time. But that's exactly what's happening. Now, whether or not right. cinema and it's really, I, I think this is going to pass in the House. That's my guess. A version of this will pass in the House. Nancy Pelosi keeps changing her mind. 
And I just, you know, but when you look inside the bill and you see what's in here, and I've gone over this, and the amount of money they're spending, it is an unmitigated disaster. We cannot afford this bill. We are robbing our kids blind. And if you look at the analysis of this, it, it, it's hiking taxes on everybody. The price of oil just went higher. We're paying more every day for every item we buy. And even the Fed is acknowledging that inflation is here to stay. And that's because of Joe's policies. And I don't even know. If, listen, I guarantee you nobody will read this bill. That's why we've been spending the time looking at their spending. One point eight trillion America's families plan, you know, a child allowance increases, then student loan increases, pre-K increases for four year olds, um, 200 billion dollars uh, with the American family plan. I, I mean, I could just go on and on like I did earlier in the program. It is a lot of money and we can't afford any of it. And the problem is with socialism, it's great until you run out of other people's money. And then they're lying to us and saying, well, we don't have to pay for it. It's not going to cost us a penny. I'm like, okay, I don't know what abacus Joe Biden is using, but we have calculators that actually do real math. And the real math is, is that lower income Americans, middle class Americans are going to be paying the bulk of everything. And add to that the high cost of every item we buy because of their dependence now on foreign sources of energy. And everything's going to cost more. And, And that's the situation they left us. They look, look at the disaster on the border. Look at the disaster with the economy. Look at the disaster in Afghanistan. Look at the disaster of begging OPEC to produce more oil. Look at the disaster everywhere. I don't see a single thing I can point to where I say, wow, they're pretty successful with this policy. Actually, they did a good job here. It's, you know, it's bad. Anyway, we're going to outline it all tonight. Hannity, 9 Eastern on Fox. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, Senator Hawley, Senator Cotton, they were amazing today, grilling the generals and the Secretary of Defense. Uh, we've got full coverage of this dis- unmitigated disaster. Uh, also, Lara Logan, Eric Trump, Joe Concha, Kaylee McEnany. Set your DVR, Hannity, 9 Eastern, Fox News. We'll see you tonight, back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.